0: The following audio is from Hope Hill Church. To learn more about Hope Hill Church, please visit HopeHillChurch.org. Hi all, my name is John Cousins. I'm one of the pastors at Hope Hill Church, and I'm encouraged to be able to share with you from my heart today. Uh, Actually, just a short while ago, I had a great conversation with a family from our church, um, Rodney and Taree Darville, And uh, my heart is very encouraged by... Uh, what they had to share with us. Rodney and Tari are both uh, black individuals and uh, very wise in the ways of the Lord in Scripture. And they came over and met with Brandy and I just to share with us some words of encouragement. Uh, And together we got to pray for our church. And a lot of what I'm going to share today uh, really comes out of that conversation. And so... I want you to know that we have some dedicated people that are praying for you, that are praying, uh, seeking after the face of God, that we would be focused, that we would be united, that we would know that the truth to the struggles that we're dealing with lie within our word, the word that God has shared with us, His word, And, and, and the truth that we can find to unity is not in some social agenda, not in some nonprofit organization, but in who God truly is and the mission that he's called us to. And so our hope and our prayer is that in this time of uncertainty, in this time of unrest, that we would find the way that God wants us to truly be united. Unity, it's so important. You so you see that there are, there are certain times throughout history where tragic events have had a very unifying event. Most of us who are alive now and are adults, we were alive back on 9-11. When those planes hit the Twin Towers and the Pentagon and crashed in Pennsylvania, patriotism patriotism soared. We were united against a a common enemy and a common cause. This COVID scare though, COVID-19, has almost had a very different opposite type effect. And instead of it being a unifying tragedy that has hit our world in many ways, It has been something that's been very divisive. Some have taken the approach of, we've got to take this very seriously, and and we've got to shut everything down, and we've got to pull back entirely, and, and, and been very upset at those who haven't taken it seriously, and those who have kind of had a more just whatever happens type of approach. It's been very divisive. Even within the church, when, when the church across the nation decided it was necessary to close the doors, some shouted and screamed and said, where's your faith? Why are you closing the doors? And, and then others, now that churches are beginning to consider safe ways of reopening, and some have reopened, there are people saying, what are you doing? Why are you putting us at risk? Why are you taking those steps, set a better example? This situation and circumstance has been very divisive. Through all of this, we have had uncertainty and unrest. And then, a couple weeks ago, we had the tragic death of George Floyd. And racism reared its ugly head And again, we saw voices of division and and a nation not united, but divided. And the truth is, is I I believe that we do have an enemy whose greatest strategy is division. We have an enemy, the Bible tells us, uh, uh, the devil, who seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. And I believe one of the greatest strategies in his arsenal is division. In whatever way, shape, or form it can take, if he can keep us divided and arguing and bickering instead of being united, then then he can become more successful at, at succeeding in his mission, which is to basically keep all of us from knowing the love of the God who made us and created us and wants a relationship with us. And so, what we have to figure out is, is how can we be the united force? And the reason I use force is because I truly believe that when the church is truly one, If we can find the way to truly be united, we can be an unstoppable force. The scriptures actually tell us, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will not be able to stop it. But I believe the devil is laughing right now because of all the division, of all the unrest, He is able to plant seeds of disorder and doubt and chaos and anxiety. And this is his mission. This is his means. And the verse goes on. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against it. That phrase, the gates of hell, tells us something very important. That if hell has gates... It is setting boundaries and perimeters and borders. And when we look at places like Minneapolis, we see that the enemy tried to come in and to set up this gate of discord and distrust. And and yes, a tragic event took place. Uh, Hatred gave birth to murder. And I'm sure the enemy was celebrating in that victory knowing that one more seed of discord was, had been planted, one more gate set up, causing division. And the enemy knows that when we are divided as a church, we become weak and ineffective. And so my hope in the prayer of those who consider themselves leaders amongst our body, we are praying that God would show us not how to live by fear, but how to live by faith and together be united as one. One mighty force sharing God's love, his hope, his truth with this world and those who live in it. And so my hope is that we wouldn't be what many have called the Christian church, A a bunch of, uh, it's often been said that the Christian army is the only army in the world to shoot its wounded. We will oftentimes kick people when they're down and throw accusations and instead of being supportive and helpful and encouraging and uh, uh, building up of one another. And so let that not be the case any longer let us find a way to be united. The Apostle Paul, in the letter he wrote to the church that was growing in Corinth, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you would be united in the same mind and in the same judgment. Paul starts off by saying how important this is. I appeal to you, I beg you, and, and everything in me cries out be united, be together, be unified. But in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you would all agree on on the essentials, on on the things that are uh, of most importance, and that there would be no divisions. You know the word division is schisma. It's it's a picture of a split, a division, a, a schism, a tearing apart. And that's exactly what the enemy is trying to do through all of this through the scares through the, the 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 virus through the hatred he is trying to tear the church apart and he is trying to tear our world apart satan's enemy is not just the church satan knows the truth he knows the scriptures and sometimes he in some ways he knows the scriptures better than us and he will often try to even use our own scripture against us like he did with Jesus, when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. And Satan knows the end. And so he wants to do everything he can to steal, to kill, and to destroy your hope, your peace. And he often has an easy time at it when he knows we can be divided and out of focus. And so my hope and prayer, our hope and prayer is that we would stay focused and stay on mission, and stay united. Jesus prayed in John 17. Jesus prayed that we would be one. He prayed that we would be united in the Father's love, and that as we are one with one another, that we would come to see that the enemy is not somebody down the street who worships different than you. The enemy is not somebody of a different skin color than than you or I. The enemy is not... Um, somebody who votes differently than you or I. The enemy is not somebody who, fill in the blank. It is not the people who live around us. The enemy is the devil and principalities in this dark age who seek to tear us apart. And my hope is that through the words shared with you today, we can be encouraged, And we can be reminded of the importance of us being united. If we could get this right, I truly believe that the promise of Jesus would be seen. And my hope would be that we would be able to see it happen remarkably in our time, in this generation. In John, let me read you the promise of Jesus from John 17. It says this, Let me turn there real quick. John 17, verse 20 through 21 and verse 23. I don't ask only for these, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 23. I in them, you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. That is the heartbeat of our mission, that we would be united in love, God's love, as He loved us, that we would love one another the first greatest commandment is to love God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And the second greatest commandment is to love our neighbor as ourself. Not just those who are like us, but every single person that God has placed around us. And there are a lot of people around us right now that are very different than us, that think differently, that live differently, that have different cultures and different backgrounds. But you know what? Each and every one of us were created by the same heavenly father who loves us all and wants us all to be one. And the world will come to know him by our love for one another. If we could get this right, then I believe we would see the kingdom of heaven come down and be manifest here on earth. And I believe in the places where this does happen, we see revival, we see People turning to God because the kingdom of God is ushered in through us as we unfold in acts of love as Jesus did for us. So how are we going to do this? How are we going to be unified? I believe it starts with us realizing the principle that I just laid out. Number one, you know what is often a a, a great unifier? Having a common enemy. That's what happened in 9-11. We were so upset and whether you, where you stand with that and how our country reacted to that is not up for debate right now. What I'm trying to say is that there is one true enemy and his name is Satan. His name is the devil. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12, let me read it for you. I actually have my notes ready to access on my phone and Since I didn't mark all the places in my Bible right away, let me just read this for you. Here we go. For we struggle, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. As I said before, it's not other people. It's not those who think differently, who vote differently. It's not those who have different cultures. Our enemy is the devil. The enemy, John 10.10, is called a thief who comes to steal, to kill and destroy. And he's calming to try and steal our joy, to steal our unity, to steal our confidence, to steal our hope, to kill our mission and to destroy our witness. If we're busy bickering and arguing and fighting, Then we're not out in the world loving and and being the hands and feet of Jesus that he's called us to be. Let that not be the case. We have one enemy, and that is the devil. And the better we get to know our God and, and his truth, the more easily we will see the lies and the schemes of the evil one. And the way he ways he tries to distract us, to tempt us, to lead us down ways and paths that will just lead to our own pain and despair and ultimately to destruction. Let us realize that there is an enemy, the devil. And number two, the second thing that will unify us is a better understanding that there is one mission, there's one enemy that we are all should be fighting against, and there's one mission. Some people have said that uh, a church needs a mission. You know what, the church was created because a mission already existed. The mission was for God to have his love known in this world. And for that purpose, Jesus came and said, I will build my church. The church already has a mission. The mission of God is that we would, Matthew 28, 19, and 20, that we would go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are called to be the sent ones, the church. The term is ecclesia. We are sent ones. Each of us are to be missionaries, like I shared last week, the stories of that That believer who was a hospital uh, custodian who would have the job of going into the rooms where people were sick and dying and simply clean their rooms while sharing hope through words of encouragement. And we got to hear the story of how Mr. Denny came to know Christ through the words and the love shared by this simple custodian going into all the world, in all of your going. You don't have to wait until you become professionally trained as a missionary to fulfill the mission that God has given all of us. In wherever you eat, sleep, bake, study, shop, work, you are called to go and to be the missionary God has called you to be, to be the sent ones. The Bible says that we're to be sanctified. You know what that big church word means? It means set apart for a purpose. And the purpose is to go and to share the love of God. Too many times what the church is known for is what we're against and not what we're for. Many times if you were to ask people on the street, what is the church known for? Sometimes they might say, well, they're 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 for their traditions. They're for building beautiful buildings. They're, you know, for, um, uh, I don't know, being a charitable organization. But you know, far too often, you'll get answers about what we're against. They're against this, and they're against that, and, and they're all about rules. What if it was different? And instead we were known more for our love. You know, the church is the, the place that has fed my family when we were without, who has tutored our children when they were struggling, who has provided clothing during times of need for our family. Oh, well, the church showed up and helped us rebuild our house after the hurricane came through. The church, has been there at times when the government wasn't able to assist, the church was there. What if the church would have been made known and known more for the love that we shared, the ways that we cared? It's such an honor and a privilege to be a part of a church that has that heartbeat, that has a Hope House, that has a food pantry, that teaches English as second language classes, that comes alongside people in crisis through our counseling center and our recovery uh, help that we offer, being the hands and feet of Jesus and loving others in tangible ways, being known for our love. This is what our mission is, to love God and to love others jesus in his last hours with his disciples in john chapter 13 34 and 35 said this a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another It's my prayer that the church, our church, the global church would be known for our love, for our mercy, for our grace, for our compassion, and for our generosity. When Jesus said, if somebody asks you for your cloak, give them your tunic as well. If somebody asks you to walk with them a mile, walk with them too. Let us love like Jesus loved. Let us pour out to the point of overflowing with his love and his truth. How do we do this? Romans 15, 5-7 says, May the God who gives endurance, because we cannot love in our own love. You know, sometimes it gets hard, doesn't it? You feel unappreciated. You feel like, The way you're loving doesn't matter. Let us keep loving. What if God were to quit loving us? I mean, I'm so grateful that we don't have a God who gives up when we give up. You know what I mean? Even when we are faithless, He is faithful still. His love has no end. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards one another that Jesus Christ had for us. So that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify God, your Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 7, this is Romans 15. Verse 7, accept one another then, Just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. As our church, we summarize the mission statement like this. We exist to glorify God, to transform lives, and make an impact in our world. In everything we are to do, we are to glorify God. And this verse, Romans chapter 15, 5-7 says, the way that we begin and are able to glorify God is through our acceptance of one another. The ESV says, you're welcoming of one another. To read, you hear that word? <laughs> Inside joke between us. Well, not a joke at all. A word from God. We are to welcome one another. We're to accept one another. The depth behind this phrase is much more than just allowing and making room for one another. The word here in Greek, the, to, behind the phrase, accepting or welcoming one another, means this. It means that we come to a point of not just acceptance, but of opening our arms And pulling one to ourselves. I'm not just going to step by and accept what you have to say. I'm going to embrace you. And love on you as a person. Even if what you believe is not the same as what I believe. Let us be a church that is accepting not just making room for, but embracing and pulling in those to receive God's love and allowing the Holy Spirit. Yes, we're going to teach the truth. We're going to share the truth, but we're going to do it in love and acceptance. That we pull others in to embrace them. That we take someone by the hand and we walk together with them. That we would learn to live life together, loving one another, going through life's highs and lows, building up one another, and encouraging one another as companions and fellow travelers. This is the word acceptance, that we would embrace one another. Let me read it for you again. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude and mind towards each other that Christ had for us, so that with one mind and one voice, we will glorify God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ by accepting one another then, just as Christ accepted us. You know what the Bible says about Christ accepting us? That while we were his enemies... While we had sin in our lives and were distant from him, he came and he died for you and he died for me. Just as Christ accepted us, we are called to accept one another. I was doing a wedding recently and the closing statement is about the word, what God has united Let no man separate, and in my notes I noticed that I had misspelled the word united. I had the letter I in the wrong place, and the word was untied. Instead of being united, the devil wants us untied, unraveled. Coming apart. And in a wedding, that is the worst word to say. We are coming to be united, to tie these two together, not untie them. But that is what the devil wants. And you know the root of what changes that word from united to untied? It is where the eye is. If the eye is in the wrong place, you aren't united, you're untied. And I have to say that in many ways, the reason we are not united and untied is because I is in the wrong place. We can't think of ourselves first. The Bible says, consider others and their needs before your own. In VBS, as a child, Vacation Bible School, I learned the way to have true joy was to put Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. Let us learn to die to ourselves so that we can live more for God and pursue the needs of our brother and our sister in Christ. If we want to see true unity, we need to stand together with one another. When somebody has addictions, we come before them and alongside them to help build them up. If they have anxiety, we come alongside them to care for them, to let them know that we're there for them. If there's unforgiveness in our hearts, we seek after a God who forgave us of all of our sin. And we ask God to give us hope and the ability to forgive. We bring our burdens to him and ask him to release us of the bondage of materialism, the bondage of selfishness, the bondage of unforgiveness, the bondage of fear and anxiety so that we can live the kind of free life that he's called us to live. A united life, loving one another, being the church. We don't go to church, we are the church. And there is a mission. We have one enemy who's trying to tear us apart and we have one mission, to love God and to love others. And so let us learn to glorify God by accepting one another. And in the accepting of one another, welcoming each other, walking through life hand by hand with one another, we will see lives transformed. We will see physical needs met and spiritual needs met as the Holy Spirit works on their hearts as we help meet their practical and tangible needs. And together, we will impact this world by seeing the kingdom of God come to earth as it is in heaven. Will you join me on this mission? Will you help me to live a life that is about bringing true freedom, true salvation to all who need it? There are organizations out there that think they have the answer. A couple of weeks ago, I said that I believe black lives matter. And the truth is, is they do. All black people matter. But there are organizations, and there is a particular organization called Black Lives Matter that is not about truth. Go and read their statement of beliefs. They're not about the truths as founded in God's word. And I believe that they're using a social agenda to, to push forward their own agenda. And so while I believe that all black people matter, I do not stand with the organization that calls itself Black Lives Matter because they're not about the truth. They're not about God's love. They're not about the things that will truly unite us. They are, I believe, an organization that will ultimately divide us if their agenda pulls forth. Now, again, I'm not here taking any political stand. I'm here to tell you that God's word is truth. And the more we know God's word and live it out, the more that we walk hand in hand with our brothers and sisters, even those who disagree with us. But as we walk in Christ's love, his love will flow through us and into them so that all might come to know who our father is in heaven. And so stand with me as we seek to bring love and mercy and justice to this world, loving God and loving others. The more we know the word of God and live out the word of God, everything else will fall into, into place. I'll close with this last thought. Matthew 6:33. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and God will take care of everything else. Let us do right because it's the right thing to do. I'm quoting my friend Rodney, who is quoting somebody else (laughs) that he told me about. But I'm encouraged to know that we have a family of God that is praying for you. We have a family of brothers and sisters who want to make a difference in this world. And our number one enemy is the devil, who's seeking to divide us. And our number one mission is to love God and love others. If we keep those things in the right place, we will be able to stand strong in our mission and accomplish the work that God has for us. If you're listening to me today, my hope is that over and above all, that you would hear that there is a God that loves you, that wants to know you, uh, actually knows everything about you, but wants you to know him And if you want to know the hope that our heavenly father has for you, if you want to know his love and his forgiveness, if there are things during this time of uncertainty that have you shooken up, he wants to come and give you peace. And it all starts with you calling out to him. The Bible says that if you call out to him and ask him to come into your life, if you admit that that living life apart from him and our sin, the Bible calls it it's something you want to turn from. If we confess we are sinners and that we need him, he is willing to forgive us and to come in and make us new. If you want this God in your life, his love is forgiveness, then call out to him right now. Pray this prayer with me. Father God, I need you in my life. I ask that you come and to give me peace and help me to put my trust in you. Forgive me for the things that I do that I know that are wrong and show me how to follow you. Thank you for being a God who came down to this earth and in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, you went to the cross in our place, taking my sin upon yourself. Thank you for dying for me to give me forgiveness. Come into my life now and make me new. Show me what it means to follow you. And right now, I also just pray for you, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that we would be one, that we wouldn't let any tragedy or circumstance come between us, but that we would be united and focused on loving God and loving others. If you know that that's the prayer you're in agreement with, would you just raise your hand in the comments right now? Just put one of those icons up. Just, I agree, I wanna be united in the mission of God To love God and to love others. God, I pray that you would give us the enduring ability to love as Jesus loved. To accept others as you have accepted us. Come into our life and help us to be the church, your body, your hands and feet. So that others can see our love and come to know you. Help us, show us to be your church and how we can do it practically, tangibly, loving on our neighbors, and loving those you've placed around us. Thank you for loving us in your name we pray, amen. It is an honor and a privilege to be able to be a part of an organization such as Hope Hill Church that takes it seriously, the message and the mission of God to love others. And I'm, I'm so excited that I get to do this with you. If you want to learn more about who we are and how you can be a part of this mission, message us. Click any of the links in the descriptions and we'll reach out to you and let you know how you can be a part of what we're doing to share God's love with this world. Thanks for tuning in today and we'll see you. See you soon.